You're listening to the Three Angry Giant Fans Podcast for Big Blue Maniacs Everywhere with your hosts Scott, Giant Mike, and Cardone. Listen free on Buzzsprout, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. We were on a break. 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 You guys were on a break. We were on a break. We were on a break. We really were on a break. Is there a whinier sitcom character in history than Ross Geller? No, no. He he turned me away from the show. I watched the show. And then I couldn't I couldn't take it anymore. First of all, it went from a comedy to a drama for no reason. Like right in the middle, it's a comedy. And then all of a sudden it became a drama. So that that turned me off. But yeah, it it was Ross. Ross did it. Ross took me away. <laughs> We are the Angry Giant fans. Uh, we are two Angry Giant fans tonight, so it's just Scott and Giant Mike. Cardone has the COVID, so he's oh. on the shelf. He's uh, he's going to be out for at least uh, 10 days. I think, uh, isn't that the requirement? You have to stay out 10 days and two negative tests? Yeah, I think he's been down a little while already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Poor Cardone. We miss you, Cardone. <laughs> well, we'll try to keep the jocularity up and save the anger for when you come back. You might be coughing and wheezing, but uh Well, you know, I a- figured I, I figured this was fitting, right? I mean, we had two wins and then a bye week. Cardone's probably at the low water mark for anger anyway. So let's get a game in under our belt, have some crappy things happen and get him back online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the bye week. Uh it was an interesting week for us not to play because although Philadelphia lost and they, and they looked pretty bad doing it. Um, the other two teams, the Washington football team and Dallas had, had decent wins. Um, and, and Washington might've done us a favor by knocking Joe Burrow out. So, uh, you know, we, we got the Cincy game coming up this week. There will be no Joe Burrow and Ryan Finley, who is and three as a starter will be, uh, taking over thoughts on, on the, uh, Cincy game as we go into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I was feeling the way been, we've been playing. I was feeling good about that game uh, before the Joe Burrow news. And, you know, I certainly uh, don't wish ill on anybody, but you, you can't think anything. But this is a, a good thing for the Giants football team, um, sort of having the path cleared for him a little bit. Now, you know, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, having the path cleared for us in the past hasn't meant a whole lot um, <laughs> at different times. But uh, just looking at it from a numbers and stats uh, uh, point of view, it's got to help. It's got you know they're not as good a team. They just can't be. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think this is the same scenario we had with uh, San Francisco earlier in the season. Um, that Cincinnati team that the last two games that I've seen them play, they've, they've looked bad. Um, they do have some glimpses. I mean, they have Boyd green and Higgins on the wide side. Mm-hmm. Um, they, those guys are, are still pretty good. And those are the main weapons. They won't have Hickson. He's still injured or they won't have Mixon. He's still injured. And um, I think their, their lead back is Giovanni Bernard right now. So it's a it's a team that was losing to the Washington football team before Burrow got hurt, mm-hmm. and and man that that field is like a graveyard for quarterbacks. Yeah, and just gruesome leg injuries in that on that field. <laughs> yeah, they complain about ours. Yeah, was it yeah. was it, uh, was it who's the Philly coach there who was uh, played in protest or something uh, at our field one time. Yeah. And then, you know, San Francisco <laughs> complained this year and they, oh, you know, they right. played on our field back to back. Yeah. They, yeah. they suffered all the losses to the jets. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, they, they still have the same number of wins we do at MetLife at, at two. Yeah. So, well, if we're going to do something to fix the field, they ought to chip in. <laughs> <laughs> what are your, uh, what's your prediction for this week? What do you think? Uh, I was going to pick a win this week with Burrow. Like I was just saying, I, I like the way things are shaping up. And as we'll, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later, um, I've been looking at some scenarios down the road, and um, almost all of them have us in a win with a win this week. Um, knowing our schedule coming up and the way things lay out, this is sort of a must win, and I will get into that. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, and I think actually we we could we could start to look at that now because if I look at the Cincy game. Uh, you know, right now their, their defense is, is got a lot of holes. Um, our offense is starting to pick up and our running game starting to pick up. Uh, but 
if we're going to get to six or seven wins, the Cincy game is, is probably a, a must win. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, after the, after the Cincy game, it gets a little dicey. We, we go to Seattle. Um, that Seattle team is, is, to me, it's a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. Then we come home versus Arizona, stay home versus Cleveland. Then we finish up by being at Baltimore and home versus Dallas. Yeah. So if, if, we're, if we're highlighting six wins, we're going to have to take Cincy, Cleveland, and Dallas, most likely. And if we want to get to seven, we're going to have to steal another one. Yeah, uh, that's that's exactly what I what I came up with here. The, the formula for the Giants to get to the playoffs is you beat Cincy this week, you beat Dallas in week 17. And then if you want to lock it up, you win two of those middle four. Um, it's going to be very difficult without winning two. The way things look on paper now. But, you know, I certainly think, you know, I've got Dallas winning some games in there. I've got Washington winning some games and and those could honestly go either way. Um, but but right now, I, I think we win four out of the last six at seven and nine. We're of lock for the yeah. playoffs. Uh, Washington would have to get to eight wins that way because we beat them twice. And I think we have the division tiebreaker over Dallas. So, um, you know, either of those teams would have to get to eight wins to uh, to win the division. Yeah, and there's actually a scenario out there where ourselves, Washington, and Dallas could finish with six wins, and that gets really dicey in a three-way head or tiebreaker. So uh, <laughs> there's there's a little we don't know who the winner will be yet on that because there's still some some time to play that out. Dallas looked pretty decent though uh, against Minnesota. Um, yeah, you know, so with Andy I, Dalton there, it looks like a different team. Yeah, my big proclamation this week is I was kind of reviewing what just happened. And looking ahead at what's going to happen, I am uh, surprisingly this switched for me a lot in the last couple of weeks. I'm calling it today like a like a Fox News on election night. I'm probably calling it early, but Philly's dead. Philadelphia is dead. You look at their upcoming schedule; they're dead. They have no chance. Uh, Washington's alive. Dallas with their schedule. If I had to honestly, truly pick a favorite to win the division today, I would have to pick Dallas. Over ourselves, even. Yeah, yeah. Dallas has like two different paths to to seven or not eight wins. Um, you know, certainly if they beat us, all my scenarios before were based on us beating them in that last week. Yeah, and, and as we look look forward to the game on Thursday between Dallas and the Washington Football Team, I, I'm I think as Giant fans we have to root for the Washington Football. Team. Have to. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, have to. Because we've got that, uh, you know, we got the two wins over Washington. Uh, the way the way this kind of fell out for me as I was breaking it down, anytime Dallas loses, our chance go chances go up. Um, you know, if if Dallas loses a couple of games in the middle, those that four middle, and Washington loses a couple games in that in that four middle game stretch from thirteen to sixteen, um, then we might be able to get away with one win um, in that same group of games and. And uh, still, still go to the playoffs. It's still unbelievable that we're sitting here talking about it. But I'll put it this way: with with the way our schedule is now, and the and the records of the other teams in our division, we're guaranteed to be alive two weeks into December. <laughs> so, <laughs> meaningful football, meaningful past football. November, closer and closer to Christmas. <laughs> Might have to ask for something under the tree. <laughs> Yeah, we have a, you know, that the last week is week 17. That's that's Sunday, January 3rd. But there is a game on Friday, December 25th, which is Minnesota at New Orleans. And then we play that week. Um, but we're playing uh, against Baltimore in Baltimore on mm. Christmas week. Yeah, that's. And, you know, what's funny is that that could be a game that we might be able to steal the way Baltimore's playing. I don't know what will happen going forward. They got a lot of guys in the COVID list this week, and they got to go up against an undefeated Pittsburgh team. I mean, we, we did talk about, you know, earlier that, um, or I talked about last week, I should say, that I, I saw a sort of a signature win in this season for Joe Judge coming. That game is starting to be one that we might want to kind of take a little bit of a look at right there is this. Baltimore team, which still gets a lot of media love and and national attention, seems to be on shaky ground. Um, and you know, week thirteen here, Seattle. To me, that could be another one. That's another team that's that's rocky. Um, but yeah, I the, our schedule two three weeks ago uh, for these upcoming games between now and Dallas looked daunting. 
But right now, all four teams on it have, have shown cracks as we continue to apparently continue to get better. Um, you know, we've the, the last games are, you mentioned them there. So they're Cincinnati. We know about them. And then Seattle, which, you know, still have a good record, but they've shown some some weaknesses. And then, um, then we got Arizona coming in. Um, they, they might be the best remaining team on our schedule, really, because after that, it's Cleveland. Yeah could be Cleveland uh, and then the shaky Baltimore team before Dallas. So I don't know. At one time that looked pretty daunting uh, today, two wins through there doesn't seem totally out of the question. Yeah. And, you know, I've watched Baltimore quite a bit the last two weeks. So, you know, two weeks ago they played new England in that driving rainstorm. And then last week they played a Tennessee team who everyone was starting to bury after mm-hmm. they lost to the Colts and Tennessee looked dead for most of that game came back forced overtime and then won in overtime. And, yep. and to, to me, that Baltimore defense isn't the same defense. It has been, they've been able to be run upon. Um, they've given up some big plays this year. I, I think if our running game continues on the trajectory, it has been that, that is, that's it. That is a possible win. Now, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking about this, but we still have to keep in mind that we might have one of those dud weeks. Oh yeah. You never know where it's going to oh, yeah. pop up. It yeah. could pop up against Cincinnati, you know, it, and that, yeah. that's one that you just can't have happen at this if point. If it just pops up in that group of uh, 13 through week, 13 through 16, that's fine. I'll, I'll lay an egg anywhere in there. Uh, we just got to beat Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah Cincinnati two- and Dallas, and then we got to steal one or two other ones. And, you know, that Cleveland team, they're, they have a good record right now, but it almost seems like they're catching every team that they play on a bad week or they're catching them where they have a, a, a just some sort of, of freak play where they end up scoring and winning at the end. Yeah. Yeah, they they do they do appear to be a little lucky to me, and I might be talking out of my ass saying that because I haven't sat down and reviewed a lot of Cleveland. But you know, from from what I've seen, I agree with you, Scott. I, I think they're just a team that's kind of hanging on by their fingernails to that record. Yeah, they got a good running game though. Both yeah. Chubb and yep. and uh, uh, Hunt have been you know tearing it up on the on on the ground. I yep. think I think two games ago they both had a hundred yards. Then last week. Uh, Chubb really just solidified the the win against the Eagles, and and Carson Wentz continues to look really bad for for the Eagles and, and turning the ball over. Where it looks like Daniel Jones has sort of turned the corner on on the turnovers. Yeah. It's almost like the Eagles have multiplied down on them in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Wentz has looked bad. I mean, <laughs> I mean bad. And, and, you know, they go back and there's there's a couple of wins they have in this stretch where they've not played well that easily could have been losses, our game included in there. And he didn't look particularly good in those wins. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's if he's regressing or, you know, if teams have him figured out. I just noticed today I was looking through some numbers for the division. Wentz has been sacked 40 times already. Yeah. That's the most time in any one season in his career. So, you know, that getting the pressure on him, he's getting hit more now than he's ever been hit before. Uh, that certainly probably uh, plays a role in that. Well, and that's one thing I was going to say, too, is, I mean, you look at the parallels to, to Daniel Jones struggle and the offensive line not playing well. Yeah. I think Carson Wentz has finally seen an offensive line. Jason Peters is old. They've had some injuries on the on the interior line. Uh, I think they just lost Jason Kelsey last week. Uh, the center. Um, so they have a brand new line basically outside of Peters at this point. And they've been, they've been terrible, you know, and, and, and we saw that with Dallas earlier in the year too, when their offensive line went to shambles and they, they lost Dak. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really, it's really tough to sustain an offense when there's no offensive line, which we can completely relate to over yeah, the last yeah, been, six years. Yeah. To like fossil where we were just patching together offensive lines other than a couple of years there with Coughlin. But yeah, it continues to amaze me. One of the one of the biggest, uh, I guess, pet peeves I have with the media coverage is they're just failure to recognize the offensive line's role in quarterback play. Um, you know, it, they sometimes they mention if the offensive line is really bad, like the Giants was in the in the first part of the season, they'll mention it almost in passing. You know, they'll go through all of Daniel Jones' shitty numbers, and then they'll come out at the end and say, "Well, the offensive line's not helped him." <laughs> well. He needs more than a little help from the offensive line. He needs to be able to uh, execute plays is the is step one. So, you know, it'll be interesting because, you know, they're going to roll out excuses for Wentz. Um, and some of that started already. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how much blame Philly's offensive line gets. 
what, what do you think Philly will do with Wentz this year at the end? Do you think they, do you think they re-sign him? Do you think they try to move him? Do you think, I mean, Hertz, they drafted Hertz and I believe the second round this year. And every time I've seen him come into the game, he runs the ball or it's a handoff. He, yeah. I have yet to see, I, I, I looked at the stats. He actually has thrown two passes this year. That's it, too. But yeah. I've yet to see him throw a ball. No, I, I'm surprised to hear he th- he's thrown two. And I was thinking the same thing when he every he, I think he's gotten into the two games against the Giants, maybe a total of four, three to five plays somewhere in that range. And every time I've said, because, you know, it's Philly, they would do this. Here come he's going to throw the ball. He's going to throw the ball. And uh, he didn't. He never did. And I, I think that's pretty telling. Um, you know, maybe this is a. Uh, a Washington deal with um, who's the quarter, but their first round pick Dwayne Haskins, the guy everyone said we should have, um, you know, where you just knew something was wrong when he couldn't get on the field. And I kind of feel the same way about Wentz now uh, or not Wentz. I'm sorry. Wentz and um, hurts hurts. Gosh, thank you, Scott. Um, You know, Wentz is struggling. They brought her. I'm not saying that hurts should be replacing him at this point, but, you got to do more than let them come in the game and, and run pre-designed run plays that have virtually no chance. Um, you don't want to see, you know, it, it makes you think the same way I thought about Haskins that the coaches know things we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's almost like they're trying to use Hertz as a Taysom Hill, but not many people can do what Taysom Hill does yeah. as versatile as, as he is. And, and, and it doesn't seem to be working as well. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what Philly does at the end of the year. You're going to have a couple teams that are going to need a veteran quarterback. Um, <laughs> you, Cincinnati might be one of them that needs a quarterback until Burrow comes back healthy. Yeah. Uh, Indy could be moving away from Phillip Rivers. You never know what's going to happen there. There's, yep. there's, you know, you don't know what New England's going to do going forward with Cam. Um, there's yep. a lot of question marks out there for, for some of these teams. There are. And Philly's been famous, right. For getting, for getting people to overpay for middling quarterbacks. I mean, they've, <laughs> they've done that for, for quite a while now. Um, drafting guys, giving them spot duty, uh, making them look like they're better than they are. And then getting first round picks for them. Uh, that's uh, that's kind of been their style. Bobby Hoyer. Hoyer. Holes <laughs> is out there running around now. You know, you got Bulls. There's one other too. I can't remember who it is now, but yeah, yeah. Foles, Foles is one of those guys. Fools gold. I mean, he's almost like a, because of the Super Bowl, he cashed yeah. that into a, yeah. a lottery and, ticket and Philly cashed it in. Yeah. <laughs> Blake Bortles is still out there somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> he's floating around, man. Blake. He's got to be a backup somewhere. <laughs> I think Blaine, Blaine Gabbard's a backup for Tampa Bay. I saw him congratulating, uh, Brady on one of the rare occasions Brady came off the field the other day uh, with a with a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the only person on the team left that likes Brady right now. <laughs> Did you see Brady again though? After that loss, he just walks right off the field. I I don't want to call him a sore loser, but he he really seems to ham it up when they win, and he's out there taking all the interviews. But when they lose. He just blows right out into the into the locker room. Yeah, he's um, you know, he did see the funny thing about Tom Brady for me is I was a Tom Brady fan coming from the University of Michigan into the league and and um, you know, he people forget that he wasn't always pretty boy Tom. I mean, that those first couple of years of his career, that was quite a story. I mean, that was a guy who worked his butt off and by all accounts he still does. I'm not saying he doesn't work. But the sort of entitled attitude that he has now is kind of off-putting. Like, you know, stand in there, be with your teammates, like, you know, be a, be a teammate. I'm really interested to see the way the season unfolds for them because the games that I've watched Tampa Bay play, they are getting some real preferential treatment from the they referees. They certainly are. Mike Evans, Mike Evans actually twice, not only pushed off of Jalen Ramsey, but twice, like almost threw him to the ground and, and, and they called a pass interference flag both times and it was on Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On third down down stops. They certainly are. I mean, there's, you got, you watch those games and you think about giants receivers doing those things and you just know there's no chance that a flag doesn't come out on those. It's, yeah, that's been pretty obvious that Tampa Bay was, well, you remember our game with them on Monday night. It was clear the whole narrative was, you know, this is the coming out party for Tampa Bay. Everybody, you know, we're going to introduce you to all these players and they have all got these cool nicknames and, you know, and God, we almost spoiled that show. Rojo. 
<laughs> and they're still trying to build up Fournette. I saw the saw the game the other night, and Fournette actually played pretty poorly. He had a couple of drops, but I think he ended up scoring a touchdown at the end. Oh, Leonard Fournette! And then Leonard Fournette's in for the touchdown. The Buccaneers. And Here he comes. <laughs> they have a like a. They talk about him for five minutes while the other team's on off on offense. Then giving you the backstory of Leonard Fournette, how he grew up. Un, in his unfortunate conditions and persevered. To, <laughs> uh, I think there's, there's quite a good story going on in Washington though, with Alex Smith. He, um, yeah, he's had a couple good games in a row. Uh, we were talking earlier about Joe Burrow getting injured in that last game, but to me, Cincinnati still wasn't very competitive in that game. And I think Washington wins that game, whether Burrow is, is playing the whole game or not. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of that was because of Alex Smith. I mean, he took, took care of the, ball he he had another i think 300 yard passing day yeah um, they they look pretty good yeah i and i don't know what's gotten into to alex smith uh, you know i'm sure you remember it and i think cardone mentioned this one week is this guy's the king of the dink and dunk right that's he's that guy he hasn't really been that guy he's you know he's taken some shots he's taken some chances and and i don't know if that's just you know uh, uh rivera and a different game plan, but he is certainly uh, changing uh, the way people look at it. He still does his share of, of checkdowns, but um, that used to be his whole game uh, back pre-injury. And, and it just seems to me like uh, he's decided to go downfield more, or, or maybe, you know, the coaching has opened that up for him. Uh, who knows? But um, it's a great story uh, by all accounts, a great guy. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool to, pretty cool to see uh, what, I mean, that got scary. That got pretty scary. For yeah. Him. Yeah. That well, you know, when Burrow first got injured, that was what I I looked at that hit, and I thought to myself, that was a pretty gruesome hit. And they came out and they said it was only an ACL, and there were actually some some reports that night saying he had broken his leg. Um, I heard they came out earlier today and said it's more extensive than they first yeah. thought. It's a torn ACL, torn MCL, possible torn meniscus. I, I have to believe Burrow is not coming back until at least this time next year, if not. If yeah, that later, I, he, he could be in jeopardy missing all next year. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't see a scenario where he plays week one of next season. No. I, that doesn't seem probable. Yeah, the story, the story I read had the headline on it that said uh, Burrow diagnosis, MCL, ACL and more <laughs> <laughs> like a laundry list of of injuries. Was, do, was Dr. Romo consulted? <laughs> also cramps. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's bad when the player himself tweets out that night see you next year you know yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the that's not a good thing that yeah, it sucks the hope out of the fan's stomach when they see that i the one thing i'm looking forward to after we play cincinnati is the the next two weeks having seattle and arizona i want to see how we handle both Russell Wilson and, and Kyler Murray. Um, Wilson's not really a, a running quarterback, but he's a scrambler that buys time. But the thing that worries me about Murray is Murray will take off and, and he takes yeah. off as soon as it's on design runs. He takes off as soon as the pocket breaks down. He is the type of quarterback that has traditionally given, given us fits. And I'm not sure we have a spy like Martinez that can, can keep up with, with Murray. I know Martinez is a sure tackler, but does he have the speed to, to, to stay with Murray? That's, that's one thing I'll be looking forward to. Yeah. That's a, that's a very interesting designation you just drew there. And I, I wrote it down scrambler versus runner. Um, both, both types of those quarterbacks in the past have frustrated the giants that the giants, no matter what defense they have, no matter who's out there seem to not do so well when the quarterback's not home, <laughs> but, uh, especially the scramblers are particularly frustrated because those are the ones where you think you have a sack and it turns into a, yeah, 25 yard gain, but yeah, but yeah, Murray, uh, scares me because of that, because he can take off and run. And, and I don't think he's the kind of guy, a couple games that I saw uh, mostly last year, um, he doesn't even respect a spy. So you could put a spy out there, but he's going to run right by him. In, in most cases, you know, a lot of times running quarterbacks, I remember back in the day to get, uh, Cunningham to stop running Parcells would, would spy him with somebody and, for whatever reason, Cunningham would just respect that. Like he would stop trying to run if the spy was out there. And uh, I, I don't see Kyler Murray as that kind of guy. And and certainly we have a player who against most running quarterbacks seems like they'd be set up to be an excellent uh, one-on-one with a quarterback spy. But I, Murray, you know, I just don't think, 
uh, Martinez can keep up with him sideline to sideline with that kind of speed. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, who knows? It's not like uh, teams haven't beaten him in the past and he's taken off and running on them, too. So um, we'll see that. That's a very interesting game to me. Um, we played them last year, correct? We, we played Yeah, and that, that was the game where Chase Edmonds had three touchdowns on basically the same play. It was that sweep that he would just get the corner and then run in. Yeah. I think yeah, they, I think they're all like 20-yard touchdowns. And, yeah, dark dark times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that, I think that's the difference between last year and this year, too, is, is, you know, we were getting gashed on some of those runs earlier in the season. It looks like Graham has schemed around that, mm-hmm. um, whereas last year just – teams just kept doing it and it was almost like we were like okay thank you sir may I have another thank you yeah. sir may I have another yeah. you know just bent over yeah they try something else on first and second down if that didn't work they're just like yeah run that uh, sweep thing again <laughs> get, get, <laughs> get us the first down we'll try again now the games I've watched Murray this year I almost want him to break containment and then try and throw the ball before he takes off and runs because he's yeah. been very inaccurate when he's on the run and I've seen him miss a couple wide open receivers in that scenario. But once he takes off and starts running, he, he's getting 10, 20 yards of pop sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. you know, third, third and 11, when a quarterback does that, it, it's an absolute backbreaker. Yeah. Very hard to game plan for that. Um, you know, back in the uh, Coughlin days with, with Strahan and Tuck, um, we kind of had that figured out on running quarterbacks. Uh, Strahan was a master at keeping a quarterback inside of him. And um you know, but that's, you know, that's Hall of Fame talent. That's not, you know, that's yeah. not something we can expect uh, week in and week out. But um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Murray gives teams with uh, with better talent uh, on the first two levels of their defense and ours a lot of fits. So uh, no question uh, he's going to give us some problems. You, you know who used to drive me nuts? And, and he was not a runner, but he was a scrambler and would buy time. Tony Romo. Yeah, he was wily in that he would just evade that first rusher. Yeah, by a couple extra sec- seconds, and you know what? He had Jason Witten wide open, and he uh, yeah, guess what? <laughs> <the> flat. <laughs> Jason Witten makes his first appearance in in many weeks. We had, we had forgotten about Jason Witten. Jason Witten yeah. almost won the game for the Raiders. He caught the, the go ahead touchdown pass, only to have it uh, surpassed by Mahomes. <laughs> but I, uh, I that Tony Romo move where he'd sort of step forward and then spin out the opposite way. Oh, I, I, I don't know how many times Giants defenders are going to fall for that, but you could see it coming. You know, it's not like he's a, a world-class sprinter out there, but it, when the pocket started to break down, you knew it was coming and it's, it's like, just, yeah, go ahead. There you go again, guys run right at him. That's a good idea. Don't. Oh, Tony Romo. Doctor, professional golfer, scrambler, <laughs> broadcaster. What doesn't he do? <laughs> he, he doesn't contain his emotions very well. He, no. he, he sounds like a 10 year old school girl when he's, he gets excited. <laughs> I was right. I know, but in the middle. And you know what? It's it, it, he, you know, I always get on, on announcers and Cardone's po- pointed this out in the past, yeah. but Romo's one of those guys. I actually like his content. I just can't stand the voice coming out. That's delivering the content. I almost wish he'd have the Marv Albert voice and deliver it. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like he's backed off on that predicting the play thing. I I don't know if the producers of the show were saying, Hey, don't, don't make this game look so easy to the viewers. You know, can you not make it look so easy? Uh, Because he was, he was awesome at that. And I actually enjoyed it. Although it did get frustrating when he predicted something against the giants that then exactly happened. I'd be like, why couldn't you ah, get out of here? <laughs> like, apparently you weren't seeing that in the, uh, you weren't, whatever you just saw, you weren't seeing it in the fourth quarter of the uh, NFL division game in 1996, seven, no, it, 2007, 2007. My yeah. brain is not with me today. You know, it's funny because there, there were Cowboys and, you know, obviously the Cowboys are a heated rival, but there were certain Cowboys I did not hate. You know, I never hated Troy Aikman. Yeah. Never, yeah. never hated Tony Romo. Never really hated Jason Witten. Yeah. You know, I mean, they just, there were certain guys that you respected that they had a good solid game. And, and a lot of times they, they beat us just on their, on their talent and their, yeah. you know, they never showboated. Yeah. Um, they did. I, I mean, those, these recent years of the Cowboys who it almost seems like people need to be reminded sometimes didn't win anything just so people know. 
But yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of like grinding hatred toward that team. Uh, even, you know, like you said, even go back to Witten and Aikman, uh, you know, those just seem like guys, you know, that seemed like decent guys. I, there was an offensive lineman they had who I thought was hysterical. Um, I can't remember his name, but anytime they got him on TV, I'd be like, this guy's a clown. I'd like Nate him. Newton. Yeah, it might have been. Oh, I like Big Nate. I don't think <laughs> the guy I was talking about was Nate, but that's another good example. I like Big Nate. Yeah. Nate Newton, didn't he get caught with like a trunk full of pot? <laughs> yeah. He was, he was holding it for Irvin. <laughs> At least that's, that's what he told his mom. <laughs> <laughs> and yet that guy still has an analyst job. <laughs> sure. Why not? He played yeah. football before. He's kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So you got anything for this week? Yeah, I got I got an interesting thing I ran across when I was looking through my numbers this week. Um, a win this week, or, or uh, our next win, the Giants' next win, will be the 700th uh, win for the Giants franchise. Wow. Um, only the third team to, to reach that number. So the um, other two, the Bears and the Packers, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're oh. they're in the high. They're in the seven sixties and seven seventies. I think the Bears actually have more, which was a little surprising. Um, but yeah, I thought I just thought that was kind of a cool milestone uh, milestone win there to reach. And there's not really, uh, maybe there's a couple teams within two or three years of hitting that number, but the the gap was back big back to the next uh, the next group of teams that could go over that. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tip of the cap there to the Giants organization. Seven hundred. Yeah. Provided they get it. I mean, yeah. they haven't gotten it yet. Let's <laughs> let's wait till they get it. You, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, there are some teams back in the day that were really strong with the Detroit Lions being one of them. I did not realize that the Detroit Lions have not had a playoff win in something like since since the 60s. Is that possible? It's uh you know, I rem- didn't they make a, ru- a playoff run in the. Well, they, they made the playoffs with year. Wayne Fonts and then they, they made the playoffs a couple of years. Well, not a couple years ago, but when they had Megatron, and it was that game where they, they technically had beaten Dallas, but they called pass interference on Dallas to to extend the game. And then they picked up the flag and then Dallas ended up winning that playoff oh, game. I do remember that game. And that was the week before the Michael Irvin catch that was so disputed. And I felt like saying, you guys shouldn't have even been playing in this game to yeah. be bitching about a bad call. Yeah, I think there, there was a year there where they, they lost the NFC Championship game. I thought it was in the 90s. I'm looking now. Yeah, 1991, they lost in the conference championship, I think, to Washington, if I'm not. Yeah, they lost 41 to, to 10 to Washington. That was a Barry Sanders, Wayne Fonts. Run so they had to win at least one game there. They were, they were uh, thirteen and thirteen and three that year. It looks like. Okay. Yeah, but that there's nothing after that. <laughs> I wonder what the what was the uh, playoff appearance before that? Do you know? Was it like yeah, in the sixties? That so they've they've lost wild card games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They've lost eight wild card games since then. That's the best they've done. Their last win before that one was when they won the league championship in 1957. Jesus. See, <laughs> imagine that. You're going like World War II era to now with yeah. one playoff win. <laughs> yeah. They won the uh, the championship before there was an NFL. <laughs> there there was one, one playoff game that their fans got to see in color. Yeah. Oh, they didn't even know they were light blue and silver till then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at it. That was, that was one of the things that always shocked me about the throwback uniforms. You know, on the black and white, you'd see like the the people like the Steelers and the Jets and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, those those uniforms are 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 striped. And then yeah. you, you you realize they look like Bumblebee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. bright yellow, jet black. No, no one, no one other than those that actually paid to go to the games ever yeah. knew that they were like, Oh, look at this. They, they're they're, 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 a, they're a nice a shade of black and white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sometimes the, uh, it is because, you know, the, the giants, the, the poor chart, the poor portion of the giants history is in the super. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't know if people realize how good they were before. And really, you know, the, the giants catch a lot of heat because they seem to have 
down years and when they're good, they're really good. Um, but yeah, to I mean, we're the only team that's won a Super Bowl in what five straight, four straight decades now. Yeah, that's yeah, never yeah. been done before. I mean, we you know we won at eighties, nineties, two thousand, two thousand tens. Um, we still got a long way to go in the twenties to keep that rolling. So, <laughs> but yeah, fight, I, no judges. And you know, I felt bad for like people that are a generation older than us because they went that whole area between the mid sixties to basically nineteen eighty one with the giants just being terrible. I, yeah. I think I looked it up the other day. The giants finished like last in their division in 10 of those years between then and, and, and 81, it was like yeah. between 65 and 81. Yeah. They were, and, and they were jets level bad. Well, and I think the, the whole turnaround for the franchise came on the miracle of the Meadowlands. They fired McVeigh after that. They brought in yeah. Ray Perkins. Yeah. Perkins had a decent run. And then turned over the reins to, to Parcells and you know, people forget Parcells had a rough, uh, rough start to his career, but then turned it around. You know, he, he chose Scott Bruner over Phil Sims at one point. Yep. Yep. I mean, he, he made, he admittedly made some mistakes in those interesting that we got there because we didn't get there on purpose, but as I was getting ready for things we might talk about during the right. bi-week podcast, I, I was kind of wondering, and I, I do sort of remember the year. I, I was a I was a pretty loyal fan even back then in, in 1983, Parcells' first year. This year may have some parallels to that. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, I honestly believe. Let's see if you agree with this. I mean, we we agree on most everything. Uh, maybe it would be better for the podcast if we disagreed on more. But um, I I believe that with a non COVID affected preseason and off season, the giants are immensely better football team right now. You know, yeah. we, we might be a five, six win team right now. And, and, you know, and some of the other teams in the East may have been affected by that too. So I'm not just saying we'd automatically be running away with this thing, but you know, with first year coach, you know, first year coordinators, it was a complete overhaul. Uh, second year quarterback, we lose Barkley in the second game. And then people are surprised when we're 0-7. You know, that's I, I, I think the what we're seeing now out of the Giants is probably with a little less adversity at the beginning of the year, what we'd be getting out of them, you know, earlier in the season and, and maybe be have a have a real chance to make a run at this instead of you and I talking about a three-win team yeah. and our scenarios to uh to make the playoffs from there. Uh but uh, yeah, I, I I do seem some see some parallels in that first year of Parcells where uh, judge comes in, not really his team yet. A lot of adversity, um, just sort of tries to fit in. And I think midway through this season, he's making some of those realizations that Parcells did that this is my team. Yep. And, you know, we've kind of seen and heard some of that from him here recently. And, and, uh, like I said, I, I have high hopes for the guy. I haven't felt this good about a coach coming in, um, for a while. I, I liked when we hired Coughlin. I thought that was a good hire and exactly what the team needed at that time. But, um, you know, I, I'd like to see this guy get a, at this point, this could change easily, but I'd like to see this guy get a good seven, eight year run out of him and see what we're looking like at the end of that. Even yeah. if we have some down years in the beginning. Yeah. This, this is where we need Cardone recovered from COVID because he would be, he, he, he takes a little bit more of a jaded view than the two of us in terms yeah. of, of yeah. pessimism. Um, you know, it's a great point you made though, about the COVID having an impact this year because it's not just the giants think about the nfc east and how bad the nfc east has looked and how badly they're they're looked at by the rest of the league but everyone in that division except for philly has a new head coach yeah that's um, a good point. you know some of them have new staffs other ones just turned over a couple of people we turned over everyone so we we had the most overhaul but if you look at the three teams that had the first head, year head coaches the giants the cowboys and the and the Washington football team, those are the three teams right now in the division that look the best. And the Eagles are the ones that are struggling the most with, with Peterson and the mainstay. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about that. The, uh, it's interesting that the first, the, the, the first year head coaches took about a half a season or more to get things on the rails and they all had some, some adversity in there. Uh, you know, big fan of, uh, the Dallas coach, the old cow or the old green Bay coach. Um, what's his name? Mike McCarthy. McCarthy. I kept wanting to say McCoy, but I knew that was wrong. So I wasn't going to say it out loud. Uh, I'm not a big fan of his going back to uh, going back to his Green Bay days. But 
he's had, I mean, losing Dak and, you know, they, they've had some adversity to overcome there too. And that thing, as I said, just, I think two weeks ago, that thing looked like the wheels was coming off it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now they just had one win, you know, against Minnesota, who, you know, is a team, a team with a good record that I have no trust or faith in at all. But uh, the defense looks better. Like you said earlier, the offense with um, uh, Andy Dalton in there. (laughs) I got to stop smoking so much weed before these podcasts. (laughs) Forgetting everything. Oh, Andy Dalton. I mean, you know, he got kind of forced into emergency duty when he did. No one foresaw Dak going down. And, uh, you know, maybe that little break for him got his head on straight. He looked a lot better. Again, we'll see more of that in the weeks to come. But, yeah, it's I don't I don't think it can be understated, the impact of COVID around the league, but particularly, like you said, right right home in the NFC East. Yeah. And some of these coaches have had to deal with the adversity, the first year head coaches. So, you know, Ron Rivera is not a new coach. He's a first year coach of the Washington football team. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's lost his quarterback. He's lost two quarterbacks, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the Carolina Panthers under first year coach Matt Rule, they lost Christian McCaffrey for a mm-hmm. long stretch. Uh, again, they're another team that's only got four wins, but they've been up and down. They've been competitive with some mm-hmm. teams. Yep. A lot, lot of injuries around the league that. I think are having an impact on, on teams, but they're, they're slowly overcoming them. Giant yeah. giants losing, losing Saquon. I, I won't even go to the, the whole COVID angle. I'll say if we have Saquon Barkley right now, we're a four Oof. to five win team. Oof. Yeah. Some of those, it's some awful. of those holes that are being opened in the last few games, Bar- Barkley's taking them to the house. Yeah. A, hel- a healthy Barkley. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a great call. And, and, you know, it's, Maybe we've just seen so few games of them over the last two years that the three of us all did kind of uh, Cardone mentioned last week. I was like, Barkley's kind of disappeared from, you know, we're not even complaining about not having him anymore. And yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a game maker. He's a, he's a once in a generation talent, right? That's what we heard. So, and I still believe all that, but that's why we kind of mentioned last week, these other things we've been doing since he's been out and we've now kind of got those gears turning. I just think hopefully you just plug a Barkley into that and, Boom. Yeah, I, I just hope he's healthy next year. You know, it's another yep. thing where you never know how these guys will respond to injuries. Um, yep. it, I, the one guy that, you know, left us uh, Beckham. I think, I think Beckham is to that. He's to that area now where he's got to be labeled injury prone. And you have to wonder coming off of his fourth severe leg injury. Is he going to be able to be the player he used to be? Uh, I, I, that, that trade more and more looks like a win for the giants. Yeah. It really does. I mean, what do you, what do you think about, I mean, if, if we're getting, well, I'll go backwards a little bit. We, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that Eli love or hate him. If you just look at facts, if you just look at numbers, Eli made a lot of players look better than they turned yeah. out to be. And Beckham, no doubt a bonafide superstar, uh, you know, would be with just about any quarterback in the league. But Eli gave him chances other quarterbacks are not going to give an NFL receiver. They're not going to throw into tight windows. They're not. They're worried about their numbers. They're worried about interceptions. Eli's never been that guy. And, you know, with Beckham tells him, hey, I'm, I'm beating this guy. Beckham's getting the ball. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter if he looks covered or not. So, you know, I think there was some of that when he first got to Cleveland, especially with a young quarterback, whoever, and Baker Mayfield. I got a name. I got a name, right? <laughs> Baker Mayfield, who, you know, everyone's probably preaching to that guy. Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. And now they're like, well, why aren't you getting back of the ball? He's covered. <laughs> He's, you know, I'm not going to throw it in there. You keep telling me not to turn the ball over. Uh, so I, I do think there's some of that too, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. He's got to have that injury prone label now and, and how much tread is left. Yeah. 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 Anything else for this week? No, man. I, I think, uh, you know, without, without Cardone here, we, um, we could, we could wrap it up a little early. Um, I, I don't know if you want to get some more into that judge and Columbo thing. It seems like some more, uh, ah, came out about that this yeah, week. Yeah. yeah. Um, you got more, more info. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it's turning out now that, uh, and I, th- I just read this before we came on. Um, there's apparently a divide in the giants coaching staff with what they're calling cowboy guys and Patriot guys. And apparently the Patriot guys are winning. Now, if, if this story is true and there's a divide, 
the Patriots guys are the ones I want to win. Whatever this <laughs> divide is, I, I don't want I don't want the Cowboys guys to win this, but I don't want the Cowboys to win anything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Colombo was apparently tied to Garrett. I knew Garrett brought Colombo over, but I didn't know he was apparently like his right hand man. And now people are saying with all the potential coaching openings uh, for next season, that it's very likely that Garrett will be a one and out one and done uh, for the Giants. And, um, you know, I the tact some of the stories I was reading was taking were that it also had something to do with him having a this wedge with Judge. And I haven't seen that. I haven't had a single problem with Garrett if he wants. I mean, to me, he's earned another year right now for what the what the uh, product on the field is. And that, like we've talked about before, that's quite an amazing statement because the product hasn't always been that good. Um, it's only recently got too acceptable. But I don't put any of that blame on Garrett. Uh, I I understand what he's trying to do. We just don't execute it well all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get frustrated when when I hear fans complain about Garrett and talking about the offense looking like crap. I think the play calling, at least in my mind, has been a, a complete turnaround versus what we've been used to. I, we're not doing a lot of predictable things anymore. Um, we might be able to to point to some reverses or some trick plays that are being run in the in the red zone that that haven't succeeded really well. But he, I'll tell you what, the fact that he's mixing things up, the fact we tried a fake field goal, a fake punt, um, both of which were called back, even yeah. though they were successful. Um, yeah. You know, it, it just shows that that he's willing to take some risks that we haven't seen before. Um, I have not noticed the divide there. I, I actually hadn't heard the story about there being a cowboy and, and patriot divide there, other than I heard Colombo was sort of there was some dissatisfaction with Colombo, and so so Judge was bringing in a Patriots guy to to come in and look at the offensive line. That's that was the extent of it. So this was new news to me. Um, I. I, I I have faith in Joe Judge to manage those relationships. I, I do think Jason Garrett could leave at the end of the year for a coaching job. There's going to be probably six openings possibly. And, yeah. and you figure if he's taken the Giants offense and made them respectable by the end of the year, that's going to be something someone wants, especially if Dallas does not make the playoffs and Dallas looks poor the rest of the year too. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, well, look, that Dallas, is, yeah, yeah. Dallas went down after he left. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That that does add to his resume, no matter what he does with the Giants for the rest of the year. Yeah, but I, I agree, Scott. It's, you know, you go into every year and you see a team struggling to move the ball. And what do fans always say? Fans in a lot of media, they always say, like, we got to mix it up. You know, why are we why are we punting on fourth and one from the 50? We're a three win team. You know, they say all the Garrett's doing those things. Yeah. You know, once it became once Barkley went down. Garrett went to the back page of the playbook and, you know, started finding these things that have, have largely been successful. Uh, really they've been the, the most of the time they failed. It's because they've been called back. <laughs> so that's hard to blame Garrett for, although, you know, who knows if it's an illegal procedure or something, but, but, uh, yeah, I like, you know, and, and I was wary of him coming in. I certainly didn't want him to get the head coaching job when, when I think he applied for it. Um, but I have very rare for me. I have nothing bad to say about the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I get what he's doing out there. I, I see what, what he's going for. And, you know, in, in Dallas, it seemed like he always gave up on the run too early um, and leaned on, tried to lean on his talent too much. And, and he seems to have learned from some of that here, at least in the early part of or the first half of this season. So um, yeah, if he goes for another job, then more power to him. But, uh, you know, you have to go back. It was mostly the New York tabloids, which, you know, New York media, I know. But Daily News, uh, they have some stories about this growing divide in the coaching staff and how, you know, Judge is not done with firings and Garrett's on the list. And uh, I just, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I didn't know if you'd seen any of that and wanted to discuss that. But it's a New York I, media. I, you know, I had the same exact take you did for Jason Garrett, though. I did not want him as a Giants head coach. Um, however, I was more than happy and I'm still more than happy that he's the offensive coordinator. I wish we had done the same thing with Pat Shermer, made him an offensive coordinator rather than a head coach, yeah. because I think, I think there's certain guys who have a sweet spot there and, and, and people forget Jason Garrett was a very successful offensive coordinator for the Cowboys before he took over their head coaching job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't, I, I think he, he, his time what got stale when he was in Dallas. I think it was time for them to make a change much like it was when the giants made a change from Coughlin, but 
I, I would welcome a guy like that as our offensive coordinator. And and if he does leave, I, I do think that there's a void there, but I do trust Judge in, in in his contacts to be able to to bring someone in who can who can do well as well. And that's a funny thing because I had no faith even in the first year when they were doing well under McAdoo, I didn't have a whole lot of faith in the guy. The guy just, he never to me appeared to be like a head coach. And then when he did the whole Gordon Gecko slicked hair back yeah. suit yeah. wearing the next year, that rubbed me the wrong way too. Cause he was a guy that was more interested in his image. Shermer to me, when they first hired him, I'm like, well, maybe he'll turn things around. He never inspired me. Joe Judge has inspired me from day one, and I I, I think Great. it's just the way he's frank. He's he's open with the media. He comes out and have you ever seen his breakdowns after the games where he'll he'll walk through some plays? And I'm thinking, how many coaches are really going through and doing this level of detail? Yeah. Shermer, you couldn't get him to, the guy to talk. Yeah, Judge Judge will be wide open and honest about what's going on. Yeah, the the McAvoy hiring. <clears throat> I mean, well, I think we'll always look back on on that as just that was. That set us back. That really set us back in a lot of ways. It, it, it well, the, the worst thing McAdoo did, of course, was bench Eli for no reason yeah. at all um, and, and break one of the great records in, in football history for no reason. Um, you know, that, that was the, that was the unfor- most unfortunate thing about him. But, you know, he, he just, you know, it, he, when he was calling games, do you remember when we had, um, there was a guy that you and I used to just hate, uh, Huffnagel. Oh, John Huffnagel. The offensive yeah. coordinator. And you couldn't even, when he was calling plays, it just seemed like he was picking them out of a hat. You know, yeah. like there was no, there wasn't one play setting up another. And, there, you know, there just wasn't any, okay, the running game's kind of rolling now. Let's lean on that a little bit more. It was just plays out of a hat. And that's <laughs> how I felt. I felt that same way with McAdoo. Just, uh, you know okay, these are 10 plays I want to get in there sometime this game. So, you know, reach into the magic bag and pull out a play. And it just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I feel for the first time since Coughlin left really comfortable with the coaching staff. And, and that starts and ends really with judge. Um, I like who he brought in. Graham has been great. He's adjusted so well throughout the year. Garrett, as we talked about, has been fantastic. Um, but, you know, this is the type of league where you're not going to be able to hold on to a to a Jason Garrett very long, especially if he has a, has a decent year yeah. um, coach of the team. He's just, he's got the pedigree, you know, some team, the jets will probably steal him. <laughs> he gets to coach Trevor Lawrence. That'll yeah, be a, right? yeah, not bad <laughs> for him. <laughs> All right. Well, we, uh, we hope to have Cardone back next, next week. Um, we'll see how his recovery goes. We, we, we might want to have a happy Cardone. I don't want an angry Cardone coming in next week no. with it being the Cincinnati game. Uh, but we are the three angry giant fans. Uh, we are on Buzzsprout, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Um, and this is Scott and uh, giant Mike, and we will see you next week. Have a great week. Y'all take care.